0: Welcome to Episode 60 of Season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. One of the earliest successful radio comedy shows, Lum and Abner aired from 1931 to 1954 and starred Chester Locke as Columbus Lum Edwards and Norris Goff as Abner Peabody. Co-owners of the Jot'Em Down store in the fictional town of Pine Ridge, Arkansas, the two hillbillies are constantly trying out various money-making schemes and invariably being fleeced by their nemesis, Squire Skimp. Locke also voiced the characters Grandpappy Spears and Cedric Weehunt, and Goff voiced Squire Skimp, Llewellyn Gray, Dick Huddleston, and most of the other characters in the show. Starting out as a local show on KTHS in Hot Springs, Lum and Abner went national with NBC Radio after only a few episodes. Each show was 15 minutes long, but it changed to a 30-minute format in 1948 and added a studio audience and an orchestra. This format change, however, proved to be unpopular, and the show went off the air in 1950. Locke and Goff experimented with other formats, then changed back to the 15-minute length and brought the show back on the air in 1953 on ABC radio. However, competition with television and Goff's failing health caused the show to go off the air permanently the following year. One of the most famous feuds between celebrities was the one that went on for years between comedians Fred Allen and Jack Benny both hosts of their own popular radio comedy shows. The feud was highly publicized both on and off the air, and Alan and Benny used it on many of their episodes on their shows, insulting each other regularly. In reality, the feud was fictional, and the two were actually very close friends. In his memoir, Benny revealed years later that the writers of each show often got together to plan the direction of the mock feud. Now sit back and enjoy the February 18th and 19th, 1935 broadcasts of Lum and Abner, and the June 27th, 1948 broadcast of The Fred Allen Show with special guest, Jack Benny.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
3: ready to take you down to Pine Ridge for another visit with Lum and Abner. Brought to you by the makers of Horlicks, the original malted milk. Folks, Lum and Abner have received so many requests for those flashlights that I'll bet a lot of you are using Horlicks for the first time. Well, if that's the case, you'll be surprised to learn of the great number of uses this delicious, nourishing food drink really has. In the first place, for weight control, try drinking a glass of Horlicks, either hot or cold, for your noonday luncheon. See how refreshing, how sustaining, how easy to digest Horlicks is. It will keep you alert. You won't have that drowsy feeling that is often caused by a heavy, hard-to-digest meal. Horlicks is a wonderful drink for the youngsters, too. Its precious vitamins and minerals help children build sturdy, healthy bodies, sound bones and teeth. I'll have a lot to tell you about other uses of Horlicks this week. Listen carefully. And now, about that offer Lum and Abner are making... You know, folks, they've received so many requests that the flashlight factory is swamped. But everyone who sent in a wrapper and ten cents will receive his flashlight as soon as they can be made. Now, if you haven't already sent for your flashlight, you'll want to do so at once. I'll tell you all about it after we hear Lum and Abner. Right? And now, let's see what's happening down in Pine Ridge. Lum and Abner have received enough orders for flashlights now to enable them to start restocking the Jot-Em-Down store. Two big truck loads of merchandise has been delivered today, and the old fellows have been busy arranging it on the shelves. As we look in on Pine Ridge today, we find Abner out on the front porch of the Jotham Down store, talking to Dick Huddleston. The race for president of the new store seems to be causing some dissension between Lum and Abner. Listen.
4: Oh, he's doing anything he can to get folks to vote for him. I catch starting pulled on me Saturday. If that ain't cheating, I don't know what you'd call it. I'd give Cedric a dollar and a half to carry that sign for me saying, vote for Peabody for president, and then Lum come along, give Cedric another dollar and a half to let him paint some more reading on the
5: sign.
6: Yeah, I saw Cedric carrying the sign around all day Saturday. I thought he was carrying it for Lum. It had on there, vote for Abner Peabody for president of the United States, and vote for Lum Edwards for president of the jot down store.
4: Yeah, that's what Lum added on there. Cedric done carried it all day before I knowed anything about it.
6: Well, the uh, trouble is, Abner, you just haven't had enough experience in running for office. Lum's an old-timer just campaigning. He's been running for some kind of an office ever since I've known him. It's always mixed up in politics somewhere or other.
4: Well, he's 900 and some odd votes ahead of me now. I'm gaining every day, it looks like.
6: Yeah, what you need's a good campaign manager, Abner.
4: Yeah, what I need, huh?
6: I say, what you need's a good campaign manager. Somebody's had some experience in politics. get out here and get you some votes.
4: You think that's what I ought to
6: have, huh? Well, that's what you're going to have to have if you beat Mom. I
4: don't, because I believe that's a good idea, Dick.
6: Of course, I shouldn't be telling you this. I don't want to take any sides in it. it. don't make no difference to me which one of you folks is present. I just thought I'd uh, give you a little hint that way.
4: Yeah, sure.
6: Uh, is Mom in the store there now?
4: Yeah, he was just now. I reckon he still is. We got in a batch of merchandise this morning, new stock for our store.
6: Yeah, I heard that you did. That's the reason I come over. I wanted to see what kind of a stock you putting in.
4: Yeah, well, I took out a while ago. You'd think that Lom was already president the way he tries to boss everybody around. <laughs> well, I believe I'll go and load with him all, Abner. Yeah, go ahead. I've got a little business to tend to. You give me a good idea
6: a while ago. I'll see you after a while, then. All right, Abner. Well, it's beginning to look like a store in here again.
7: Huh? Uh-oh. Well, honey, it <laughs> Come in, come in. i a so busy here and everything can
6: come up. Yeah. Well, I seen them trucks from the wholesale house go by my place this morning. I just allowed you fellas getting in your new stock. Yeah,
7: yeah, well, we ain't got all of it yet, but we're just buying
6: a little of it along as we can.
7: Yeah. Well, you folks are sending in for these flashlights. It won't be long till we can have the whole store stopped. <laughs> What's the matter? Can't you get Abner to help you there?
5: Hmm.
7: That's what I'm doing now is trying to straighten out what he's already did. I run him out of here a while ago. <laughs> everything he does, I have to do it over again, <laughs> looks like. I left it up to him to stack this canned goods in the shelf, and I just wish you'd look the way he done it.
6: Well, for goodness sake. <laughs> just, just look
7: at that shelf there, for instance. <laughs>
6: yeah.
7: Instead of stacking stuff uh, to itself, like it ought to be, he's got, uh, well, there's uh, pork and beans and apricots and actual grease. There's a can of tomatoes and <laughs> bacon powders, all stacked right in together, and most of that's upside down. Yeah, I just noticed. <laughs> Somebody come in, call for something, it'd take you an hour and a half to find it. If you could find it tall. all. <laughs> well, it looks like it'd
6: be just as easy for him to put it in there right while he's
7: done. Why, Why, sure. worry. He just takes and opens a case of something, starts down the row of shelving, and just sets a can of it anywhere he can find a place for to put it. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's laziness is all. Says he's saving himself a lot of bother. Well, I don't see how he figured he's saving work that way. Well, he says by scattering the stock all around over the store this way, he's got a little of everything we've got right there handy, no matter where he's at when he's waiting on a customer. That way if somebody comes in and calls for a can of hominy or something, instead of having to walk a few steps
6: for it, there uh, there'll
7: be a can of it right there behind him. That is, if he can find it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, bound for Abner to try to figure out some easier way to do it. <laughs> He's the beatenest
7: fella I ever seen in my life for trying to study up shortcuts for getting out of work. Yeah. He'll sit and study for half a day trying to figure out an easy way for doing something that wouldn't have took him five minutes in the first place
6: because he just got up and done it. <laughs> well, you know, they tell it on him, Lum, that he buys his shoes about three sizes too big so he won't have to unlace them to get them on and off. <laughs> yeah, well, he does, too.
7: <laughs> about the craziest thing he ever done is when he worked out that device for drawing water he put on his well over there. <laughs> took him about two months to build the thing out of parts off of cultivators and old... Uh, hay baler and one thing and another. Yeah,
6: yeah, I've seen that over there. And you
7: could draw a bucket of water and have it half drunk up before you could get that contraption started working. <laughs> Takes him and his woman and Pearl all three to work the thing. And still he insists on using it. <laughs> Thinks it's just wonderful. Shows it to everybody that comes on the plate. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's always bragging about the modern improvement
5: he's got over there. <laughs> there. Improvement. <laughs>
7: he made a self feeder for his stock over there a few years ago. I never will forget. <laughs> Killed off three milk cows and a good horse by letting them founder themselves. Poor, oh, his woman set her foot down and made him take it out of the barn. Well, that's the one that he got the patent on, wasn't it? Well, yeah, he tried to. Get, uh, give her in three or four times, drawing some pictures of it and sent them, but they finally wrote back and said they couldn't make heads or tails of what he was driving. I eh? <laughs> yeah, bet they're still trying to figure out. Where it was a airplane or a steam shovel or what it was, he was
5: writing. <laughs> yeah,
7: I'd like to see them drawings that he set in. <laughs> and a feller like him wanting to be president of the store here. If he was to get elected, he'd spend
6: half his time trying to study up some way so those folks would have to wait on themselves yeah. more likely. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see this store about a month after Abner had, had a chance to try out a few of his inventions down here. <laughs> you yeah, know, turn him loose, no telling what all he would have rigged up down here. <laughs> no.
7: Be about like the time, <laughs> the time he bought that new automobile and rigged up that device to keep everybody from stealing it.
6: No, I don't believe I heard about that.
7: Don't you know, uh, he was feared somebody might try to steal his car out of the barn at night, so he fixed a big shelf up over it and put a bunch of tin cans and a bucket and old wash tub and one thing or another, put them up on the shelf so when they started to back the car out, they'd... They'd uh, sort of trip the shelf and then all them tin cans and things and fall down and scare them off. For goodness. <laughs> <say>. He, he <laughs> called it his double action burglar alarm.
8: Double action?
7: Yeah, you see, in case that noise wouldn't scare them off, he put a board full of nails behind each tire so he'd puncture them all when they tried to back the car.
8: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: the first night he tried it out, he went out there the next morning in a big hurry and forgot about the burglar alarm himself and about the time he, he started up, them Tim Ken started chowing down on him and scared him so bad he just, he just told her in reverse and come flying out of there and ruined all four of his cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ruined three sets of casings the same way before he had sense enough to quit using it. Oh
6: man, that's pretty good.
7: <laughs> Let him be president down here. He'd about have a burglar alarm rigged up in the
6: store here to catch all the customers. Yeah. Uh, he was telling me a while ago, Lum, that you had a big lead on him now in your contest. Yeah,
5: yeah. I think I've
6: got that office and gone
7: now. <laughs> What's worrying me now is getting these folks flashlights to them. What's the matter? Why, we can't get the things fast enough. Well, we've got the factory working day and night
6: now, but for all me, we're still behind. I'm just feared some of the folks are going to be getting impatient. Why, yeah, I, I just supposed to mail them out just as fast as the letters come in for
5: them. Well,
7: that's what we aim to do, but the uh, letters have been coming in faster than they make the flashlights even. Yeah, I never knowed we had so many friends out on the party line.
6: Well, you won't have long, Lum, if you don't get those flashlights out to
7: them. Oh, well, they'll all get them. Every last one of them that's in
6: interoperable will get one. I'll see to that personally. It's just going to take longer than we figured. Yeah. Well, I believe, Lum, I'd make some kind of announcement on the party line and let them know the reason for the delay, if I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I expect that's the best thing to do. Lum. Yeah, I believe it would. I'll call them up after a little and explain to them that it ain't no fault of ours. Sure, I think they'll all understand, just so they don't think, you know, what you've forgotten about it. Yeah, I hate it the worst way. Special after this nice to
7: ride in this way. No? Yeah,
6: sure, I know you do. Well, if everybody else is as well-pleased with theirs when they get his I am mine, well, it'll be worth waiting for. Well, right. well here comes Abner back. I uh, know yeah. he's mad. He got
7: mad a while ago and stomped out of here because I jumped on him about the way he was stacking that stuff in the <laughs> shell. Yeah, I
6: saw him out there. That's coming in a while ago. Now, you fellas ought to be wrangling this way, though, Locke. I'm afraid this contest you're having, letting the public vote on which one of you going to be president of your store when you get it open, is going to cause you fellas to have a falling out. Oh, no, no, no.
7: It'll all blow over, getting elections over and having her seize that I ain't the only one that thinks I ought to be president. Hey,
4: Lom, I'm going to take the rest of the afternoon off. I've got to go into the county seat and have some
7: pictures made. Have some pictures made? Yeah. Well, for goodness sake. <laughs> I never would have thought you'd want to have a picture made of that face of yours. Look to me like you'd be proud to forget what you look like. <laughs>
4: Well, my campaign manager said that he needs some pictures of me for publicity.
7: Your campaign manager? Yes,
4: sir. I've got a man that guarantees to get me elected. I get this contest is gonna be a heap different story from here out, mom. He's a go-getter.
7: Who you got managing your campaign?
4: Well, I just a while ago made a deal with Squire Skimp. He's gonna take charge from here out. I doggie, Squire Skimp knows more tricks about getting votes than any two fellas this whole <laughs>
3: Well, knowing Squire's skimp as we do, we can expect a whirlwind finish in this campaign for president. And now, if you haven't already sent in for one of these fine little fountain pen-sized flashlights that everyone's getting from Lum and Abner, here's how you can get yours. All you have to do is send in the outside wrapper from a package of Horlick's malted milk powder. Remember the outside wrapper. Don't send in the labels from the bottle. And be sure it's a wrapper from a bottle of Horlick's malted milk powder. Horlick's tablets wrappers are not eligible, Annie. Write your name and address on the back of the wrapper and then mail it, enclosing 10 cents to cover packing and mailing costs, to Lum and Abner, care of the station to which you are now listening. I'll repeat that address. Lum and Abner, care of the station to which you are now listening. Now don't delay. Send in your request right away. Also, be sure to cast your vote for president of the Jotam Down store. To do that, you know... You just have to write your choice, either Lum or Abner, alongside your name and address on the wrapper. And remember, Lum and Abner want every single one of their friends to have one of these flashlights. This offer will be withdrawn soon, so act at once, tonight. This is Krausen Bricker, speaking for Lum and Abner and Horley, who bid you all good night and good health. Howdy, everybody. Here we are all ready to take you down to Pine Ridge for another visit with Lum and Abner. Brought to you by the makers of Horlicks, the original malted milk. I wonder if gasoline makes the difference in your car that it makes in mine. When I use good gasoline, that car of mine starts with a touch on even the coldest morning. But the other day, I yielded to the temptation to try and get a bargain. I filled my tank with cheap gasoline. What a time I had starting that car the next morning. Now, cheap gasoline may look just like good gasoline when it comes out of the hose. But there is some difference in results. Well, there's a difference in malted milk, too. A cheap imitation may look like Horlicks. But that doesn't mean that it's just as good as Horlicks. Not at all. Now, a lot of those imitations are just mechanical mixtures. Skim milk and inferior malt powder and uncooked cocoa. And there may be as much as 50% ordinary sugar in that mixture. Now, Horlicks is rich in the nourishment that your body needs. It is made from only rich, full cream milk. This is blended with extracts of select malted grains. For flavor, for results, there isn't any substitute for Horlicks. And now I have a special message from Lum and Abner. They want me to tell you that they've received so many requests for the flashlights they're offering that the factory can't make them quickly enough. But everyone who sent in a wrapper and ten cents will receive his flashlight. Just as soon as it can be made. Now, if you haven't already sent in for your flashlight, you'll want to do so at once. The offer's being withdrawn very soon. I'll tell you how to get one after we hear Lum and Abner. Now, let's see what's happening down in Pine Ridge. Well, Lum and Abner's contest over who will be elected president of their new store is winding up in a whirlwind finish. For the past several days now, Lum has been leading by several hundred votes. But yesterday, Abner announced that he had made a deal with Squire Skimp to act as his campaign manager. And the latest count is that the old fellows are about even in the race. As we look in on Pine Ridge today, we find Lum and Cedric down at their store, arranging the new stock of merchandise on the shelves. Listen.
7: Uh, I've got all them canned goods stacked up on the shelves now, Mr. Lum. Uh
5: mm-hmm.
3: huh.
7: Yeah. Yeah, looking right nice, Eddie. Now, you better take and sweep out the feed room back there and get it all ready for the and feed I ordered. I or to be out here in the morning. Yes, Mom. There's some loose chops scattered around on the floor back there. Just sweep them up and sack them. I'll carry them over the place there and feed them to the chickens. Well, I thought you said you wanted me to hang up them horse collars and them lanterns on the back wall yonder next. Yeah, that's right. You ain't got two that yet, have you? Hey, lay some collar pads back there that ought to be hung up, too. Well, just let that go, though. Better get that feed room cleaned up first. I'm we'll gonna have it all ready so's when they fetch it out, we can just stack it right off in the truck, save us handling it twice. Yes, Mom. <laughs> well, I do know. <laughs> ain't that Mister Abner coming up down there? Where? Well, for their land. Hey. <laughs> now, where do you reckon he got such a get-up as that? Uh, I don't know, but he sure dressed up, ain't he? First time I ever seen him with a derby on. Now, Boundy, it ain't his neither. Look at the way it sets down on his ears, there. <laughs> looks like somebody took and turned a wash boiler and turned it upside or down downers on his head. Uh, Boundy, though, he's a getting votes. That's more like the reason he's dressed up. Yeah, looks more like he's going to a masquerade party. Summer. Look at him strut. <laughs> Rared back there like a turkey gobbler. I feared him getting so many votes in that mail this morning was going to his head. Uh, he, he said he was ahead of you now in the election. Yeah, three votes. Just, uh, just ahead three votes, and to hear him tell it, he's done winning the office. Hey, has
4: Squire Skimp been down here looking for me?
7: No, I ain't saw him, and that ain't all I don't want to, neither. Well, he said he'd meet me down here. Now, if you're bound and determined to associate with Squire Skimp, Abner, I wish you'd meet him somewhere else. I don't want him hanging around down here at the store. Well, now,
4: this is just as much my store as it is yours, Lum, and I, if I want to meet him down here, it's my own business.
7: Yeah, all right, but when he comes down here, I'm a- leaving. Ain't nothing but a snake in the weeds. Cedric, there ain't no use for you to stand there with your mouth gapped open. Get on back there and clean up the feed room like I told you. Yes, Mo. Ah, uh, here,
4: wait a minute, Cedric. Have a cigar. That's right, you don't smoke it. Do well, I'll give it to you, Paul, and tell him to vote for me, Cedric. Well, much obliged, Mr. Abner. Uh, not tall, not tall, Cedric, not tall. And
7: you're getting sort of generous all of a sudden, ain't you, passing out cigars?
4: Yeah, that's part of my campaign.
7: <laughs> well, is that outfit you've got on there part of your campaign, too?
4: Yeah, uh, Squire says I ought to dress myself up. Uh, well, the fact is, he lent me this derby in the vest I've got
7: on. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd saw that striped vest before. Yeah. <laughs> Squire Skimp campaign used that vest to campaign in for the last 15 years. Let me see. Yeah. yeah, it's one. Arm holds his wore thread threadbare there where he hooked his thumbs in him, ran back. Hmm. Looks more like an apron on you than it does a vest, though. <laughs>
4: yeah, well, it's a little full, all right. I reckon I ought to get a pillar and stuff up under there.
7: Yeah, a feller's got to dress himself up like a scarecrow to get votes. I uh, granted I don't want the office.
4: Well, it's a working, or at least ways I'm ahead now. <laughs> Squire says we'll beat you two to one before it's over long. <laughs>
7: Well, Abner, if you could get out here and beat me fair and square, I wouldn't mind it. I'd be the first one to walk up and shake your hand, but i just hate to see you get tangled up with a feller like Squire Skimp. Looks to me like you'd learned by now to stay away from him.
4: Yeah, well, now, Squire knows politics. You just ought to hear some of the stunts that he's got studied up for me to do.
7: Yeah, I know Squire'd do anything to see me get beat. Me and him's butted heads with one another ever since I first run for justice or peace. And this is his way of getting even with me. You want to mind out now, he don't get you in a batch of trouble.
4: Now, yeah, don't you worry about me and Squire.
7: Well, Abner, he ain't going to get out here and work you this away for nothing. I'll tell you that right now, he's got some scheme in the back of his head right now for making something out of
4: it. Why, sure he's going to make something out of it. I'm paying him ten cents on all I make. Ten cents? Yes, sir, ten cents. I've got it wrote right here in the contract with her name signed to it and everything.
7: That's it. See what you signed your name to there.
4: There it is right there. The
7: has got one just like it, too. Mm. To who it may concern, I, Abner Peabody, herein after referred to as party of the first part, do hereby agree to pay to M.K. Skimp, herein after referred to as party of the second part, 10% on all earnings from this date until party of second part sees fit to cancel the agreement. And you signed this? Yes,
4: sir. I made him sign it, too. Made him, sir?
7: Yes. Hmm. And you want to be president of the Jot 'em Down Store. Abner, I'm going to have to get out here and beat you to protect both of us. This proves right here that you'd bankrupt both of us if you ever got to be president of the store.
4: What's the matter with it? Well,
7: well, there ain't no use for me to try to explain it to you. You've done signed it anyway. But you'll find out before he gets done with you that 10% and 10 cents is two different things.
4: Yeah, I know what you're trying to do, Long. Just trying to get me it out for Squire so that I won't have him to help me in my campaign.
7: Right, all right. Go ahead, go ahead. I ain't having a thing to do with
4: it. Well, I don't want you to. You run your end of it, and I'll attend to mine.
7: All right. Beans, you're going to attend to all your affairs. You can just take that $200 check back to the insurance company in there at the county seat.
4: Want me to take it back?
7: You can take it back just as well as I can.
4: Well, here, yeah, I don't want to take it back in there and have to explain to them that that accident they paid me on was a fake. they think I was crazy. Just
7: handle it to suit yourself, but if it was me, I'd take it into the bank and cash it and just mail the money to them, not tell them where it come from. That way, they'll get their money back and your conscience will be clear. Yeah, I
4: could do that, I reckon.
7: Well, yeah. better put it up. Here comes Grandpappy Spears and Dick Huddleston. Grandpappy don't know nothing about it,
4: you know. No, and if he ever found out about it, he'd tell it
7: all over town, old gossip. Well, Abner, I just hope there ain't no hard feelings developed out of this contest, but I'm warning you right now, I'm going after that office. I've got to do it. Well, Heidi, Heidi, come in, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, Heidi, fellas. Come on back. Yeah, come in, come in. Yeah, sort of looking like old times in here, them, them groceries scattered around on them shelves. Yeah, you've got some more stock in here today, haven't you? Yeah, we're buying it long as we can. Yeah, When you aiming on opening up for business, Tom? Huh? Why, about next Monday, I reckon, Grandpap. We've got to wait till after the election to find out who's going to be the president, you know. But, George, you're kind of dressed up today, ain't you, Abner?
4: Yeah, a little, I reckon. <laughs> fella run for office this way, you know. He's got to dress himself up a little, yeah.
7: That's <laughs> some of Squire skimp's is there. He's Abner's campaign manager now, you know. Yeah, I know. I heard that.
4: That dog is he can get the vote, too. That fella's got a head this plum chuck full ideas. Things are going to start happening around here in the next day or two.
6: Why, uh, Lum, what me and Grandpap come over for, uh, we're having a meeting of the school board down at my store in a few minutes, and, uh, we wanted you to be there.
7: Yeah, You don't reckon I've got no business at one of their meetings since they kicked me out
6: as president of the board. Oh, well, now, that's what the meeting is called for, Lum. We'd, uh, like you to take that office back if you'll accept it. Yeah, Lum, uh, all us board members sees now where we
7: acted a little hasty when we asked you to reason. Sure, sure we do, Lum. Come on down to the meeting anyway. The whole bunch wants to talk to you. Yeah, (laughs) I don't reckon it'll do no harm to go down there. Abner, you can look after things here for a while. I'll be back soon as it's over. Yeah,
4: sure. Go ahead, yeah.
7: Back directly, then. here comes your campaign manager up out here. Yeah, well, tell him to
4: come on in. Howdy, Squire. Well, howdy, gentlemen. Howdy. Uh, Abner's inside the store there, Squire. Uh,
7: Yes, yes. uh, Thank you, Lom.
4: Well, right nice weather we're having.
6: Yes, it is.
4: Come on, Squire. Come on in. I've been waiting for you. Uh,
6: Yes, uh, well, I got held up downtown there, Abner, uh... (laughs) Been doing a little campaign for you down there.
4: Well, fine, fine.
6: Now, uh, Abner, uh, what I want to see you about, uh, I've been making a few plans on your campaign. I've uh, made arrangements for you to give a speech at a box up over at Crystal Hill tomorrow night.
4: At Crystal Hill, huh? And what am I supposed to talk about?
6: Mm, well, it uh, don't make much difference about that. Uh, the New Deal or the gold standard or anything. Uh, just so that you asked them sometime during the speech to, uh, vote for you for president of the store here. Now, uh, I'm getting things all lined up. I've, uh, got to go in the county seat this afternoon and, uh, get some window cards printed, one thing or another.
4: Well, I wished I'd knowed you to going. and I'd have went with you. I- I've got a check that I need to cash in there awful bad.
6: Uh, a check, huh? Well, now, it might be that I can, uh, tend to that for you, Abner, if you want me to.
4: Yeah, why, sure, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> well, I'll, uh have to sign my name on the back of here, and then you can just get the cash for me, Squire. It's uh, that insurance check for $200 I got when my arm were broke.
6: Oh, $200. Yeah, yeah. Well, why, uh, why I'd be glad to tend to it for you, Abner. Uh, us being such old friends and all, you know. Now, uh, just uh, endorse it there, and there uh, ain't no need for you to go in tall. Uh, Here, here, wait just a minute. Now, here's my fountain pen. Just use that, Abner.
3: Yes, sir. We imagine Squire is only too glad to handle this little transaction for Abner. And now, folks, if you haven't already sent in for one of those handy little fountain pen size flashlights that everyone's getting, you'd better hurry. The offer's being withdrawn Sunday, and Lum and Abner want every one of you listeners to send in for one before then. Here's what you do to get yours. Just send in the outside wrapper from a package of Horlicks malted milk powder. Remember, it must be an outside wrapper. Don't send in the labels from the bottle. And be sure you send a wrapper from a bottle of Horlick's malted milk powder. You see, wrappers from Horlick's tablets are not eligible. All right, write your name and address on the back of the wrapper and mail it, enclosing one dime to cover packing and mailing costs, to Lum and Abner, care of the station to which you are now listening. And also, don't forget to cast your vote for president of the jotham down store. To do that, you know, you just write your choice, either Lum or Abner, on the wrapper with your name and address. If you don't already have a wrapper handy, you can get a package of Horlick's malted milk powder at your druggist tonight in either natural or chocolate flavor. Remember, this offer ends Sunday. So send in for your flashlight tonight. This is Carlton Bricker, speaking for Lum and Abner and Horlicks, who now bid you all good night and good health.
2: The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests, a friend of Nature Boy's named Jack Benny, Fulton Hoffman, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. If you haven't yet seen the car of the year, the one and only new car in its field... By all means, ask your Ford dealer to show you the 49 Ford tomorrow.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that I haven't been here the last few weeks to introduce our star, but tonight I'm back. And here I am again, Portland (laughs) Hopper.
9: Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Portland, where, where have you been the last six weeks?
1: Well, I had to stay home with Mama. Oh, really? Why? Mama lost a fortune. How? Every Sunday, Mama sat home, and they didn't call her.
9: Who didn't call her?
1: Stop the music. <laughs>
9: oh, how, uh.
1: <laughs> you can do
9: better. You're just feeling them out. I...
1: <laughs>
9: how come you're, uh... <laughs> How come you're out tonight?
1: Well, Mama got a sitter. Oh,
9: a babysitter?
1: No, they have sitters for Stop the Music. No kidding. Okay? If you want to go out, the sitter answers the phone and sits with the $18,000 until you get home. <laughs> that is, uh...
9: They're the Lever Brothers again. Thank you, boy. <laughs> say, if you, uh... Say, that. uh... That's a, that's some profession, a quiz sitter.
1: Oh, everybody's listening to Stop the Music. Oh,
9: I know that. According to the latest Hooper survey, the only one who listens to our program is Edgar Bergen.
1: <laughs> and even he's gone away, so tonight we're just... Radio programs today are giving everything away. I
9: know, radio is the Marshall Plan with music. <laughs> The slogan of the quiz program is, if you can't entertain people, give them something. (laughs) Just don't waste their time. Have them hanging around if nothing happens.
1: You should change the name of this program to stop the comedy yeah. and give away new boards.
9: I should uh, change it to start the comedy.
1: That. <laughs> See, that's not a
9: bad idea. Well, Portland, this is our last program for the summer.
1: Is this the last time you'll mention Jack Eigen? Yes,
9: it looks that way. <laughs> if there's anything, there's Mr. Eigen. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> in case we call on him for a personal appearance later, you know. If there's anything you'd like to say since this is our last program, you know, before we finish.
1: Well, I have some things that you cut out during the winter. Oh,
9: really? What things?
1: I had a song. What
9: was the title of the song?
1: When they find out about phenobarbital in Tennessee, it'll be sleepy time down south. (laughs) I
9: can't imagine why I cut that out.
1: And I had Um, joke. Really? What, uh, what joke? (laughs) What was about the man who ate nothing but radishes for 20 years. Ate
9: radishes for 20
1: years? In his old age, he went down to Long Island and lived on the sounds. Tell me what, what are you laughing at? (laughs) Well, to me, that's very funny. Really?
9: Well, have you ever came up before a juvenile jury for telling that joke? You would get 30 days in the (laughs) playpen. Say, it's getting late, Portland. I think I'd better start for Allen's Alley.
1: What is your question tonight? Well,
9: this is our last program. I'm just going down to the alley and say goodbye to our friends and to ask them where they plan to spend their vacations this summer.
1: Shall we go?
9: As the chorus girl said when the bee lit on her shin, I think I'll shake a leg. night in Allen's Alley, Portland, the front of Senator Claghorn's fence is gone. He must have given somebody the gate.
2: Oh, well, let's, uh, let's
9: see if the senator's in.
2: Somebody, I see somebody whap my watches. Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator. Now, let's go, son. I'm busier than an Arthur Murray hostess trying to teach a pupil with St. Vitus Dance. You're busy? Yeah, I've been over to Philadelphia attending that Republican convention. Oh. I ain't seen so much hot air since the night I opened the wrong door in that Turkish bath.
9: What about the Republican candidate, Senator? Well, uh, Dewey
2: ain't never going to get little old Harry out of the White House. Who says so? Patillo says so. Petrillo? Nobody can take no piano player off of no job unless Patillo says so.
9: I imagine you saw some amusing sidelights at the convention, Senator. Yeah,
2: I enjoyed one incident. (laughs) (laughs) What was it, Senator? Well, one day my hat blew into a saloon. I stepped in to get it. A man was sitting at the bar asleep. Yeah? As I picked up my hat, the man woke up. He looked up at the television. Herbert Hoover was making a speech. Yeah? A man blinked his eyes and said, If Hoover is president, what am I doing with three dollars in my pocket?
5: Well, this is our
9: last
2: visit together. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to the beach, son. I see. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. Yes. I'm going to sprawl out on that hot sand. Yeah. And then I'm going to do what all our senators do all the rest of the year in the Senate. What? Just keep lying. So long, son.
9: So long, Eddie. So well, when the senator gets sprawled out, there'll be something new under the sun. Well, let's, uh... Let's wake up, Mr. Moody. Howdy, Bob. (laughs) Well, Mr. Moody, are you going away for a vacation? Oh, I can't.
8: I'm renting my barn for a summer theater. Oh. (laughs) Last summer, I cleaned up. Made $180.
9: $180? Well, what happened?
8: Well, sir, one day I was out in the yard. Yeah? I was buttering the trees so caterpillars couldn't crawl up them. (laughs) And a fella comes up. Yeah? He's carrying a bamboo cane, and in his tie, he's got a diamond. A diamond, eh? Yeah. It's as big as a lutein' cough drop, and it's about the same yellow color.
5: Yeah?
8: I smelt donuts on this fella's breath, so I knowed he was an actor.
5: Yeah?
8: He says, he says, Rube... I'm here to rent your barn for Orson Buskin and his touring Shakespearean players. Uh-huh. It's a deal, I said. Oh, he was the advance man. He didn't say. Oh, he didn't say. That.
5: <laughs>
8: the next day, Austin Buskin, his leading lady, Anna Cesario, yeah. uh-huh. and the Shakespearean players arrived in town. They swung off a freight train. The, uh... <laughs> yeah. the actors, eh? Yeah. They looked like a mob that had just broke a hunger strike. I see. Well, sir, that night, the show opened. It's Hamlet. Hamlet. All the Shakespearean actors is wearing long black underwear. Tights? Loose on most of them.
5: <laughs> oh. Uh,
8: the leading ladies was baggy. Oh. <laughs>
5: uh, in the back. Oh.
8: <laughs> Orson Buskin is strutting around the stage, holding a skull and saying... Alas, poor Boric, I knew him well.
9: Well, how was the show? Rotten.
5: <laughs> the audience
9: throwed 200 eggs at the actors. Well, if the show was so bad the audience threw eggs, how did you make $180?
8: I was in the lobby selling the eggs at 90 cents a dozen. So on. Long... <laughs> well,
9: with 200 eggs, Mr. Moody could lay on with McDuff. Oh, well, let's, let's try this next door. Ah, uh, Mrs. Nussbaum. Oh, you're wearing a corsage. What are those flowers?
10: Lilies of the alley.
9: I see. In the
10: center there's a nasty
9: urchin. Oh, the, uh, the nasty urchin looks pretty.
10: My little niece is graduating Mrs. Buxbaum's Finishing Academy. Oh, and
9: you're dressed up? You went to the graduation?
10: My niece is Valedictatorio. Oh, swell. <laughs> She's reciting a poem. What
9: was her class poem?
10: She's calling it Ever Onwards. Ever Onwards. How does it go? Fare well, Mrs. Buxbaum's Finishing Academy. You lined us all that we are knowing. Yeah. Never backwards, sideways, up or downwards. But ever onwards we are going. Say that. Well,
9: tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, where are you going on your vacation this year?
10: No place. No? Last year, we are stopping by Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. And you're not
9: going back?
10: Pierre is gaining 90 pounds.
9: 90 pounds? How come?
10: By Kramer's, when it is time to eat, they're blowing a bugle. A
9: bugle, huh? <laughs>
10: The first day the bugle is blowing, we are eating breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. Barely, we are sitting on the veranda. Yeah? Again is blowing the bugle. Yeah. They're going back, also eating again breakfast. Uh Uh-huh. They're coming out, again is blowing the bugle. You ate again? All day long is blowing the bugle. And
9: you and Pierre?
10: Three breakfasts. Two lunches with four dinners we are eating. And
9: this kept up?
10: Every day. So soon we are finished eating. Toots is blowing the bugle. (laughs) Again, we are having to eat it. Well, isn't
9: that unusual? Kramer's Castle serving so many meals a day.
10: Ultimately, they are discovering.
9: Discovering what?
10: Who is blowing the bugle is not Kramer. Well, who? <laughs> who then? In back of Kramer's castle in the Catskills, yes, is living a Boy Scout. Thank <laughs> you. And
9: now for the last time, let's call on Mister Cassidy.
5: Here they are, going to me go. go. Watch all to, the to that?
9: Mr. Cassidy, you were... Herald you do. Mr. Cassidy, <laughs> you have a black eye. I have that. I look as though my eyeball is passing through a total eclipse. <laughs> Tell me, who gave you the peeper? Sure, nobody gave it to me. I had to fight half an hour to get it. <laughs> What, uh, what
8: happened? Well, yesterday, you see, I was invited to a wedding. Yeah? Knocko Nolan's homely daughter married Mullet Muldoon's half-witted nephew. Oh, this was, this was some affair. So at the wedding breakfast, I was suddenly taken frosty. Yeah? So, says I to Knocko, I'll take a little punch. Uh-huh.
9: With that, Knocko rolls up his sleeve and gives it to me. Well, Mr. Cassidy, are you and your eye going away for your summer vacation? Uh, now, why should I go away? What have they got anyplace else that we haven't got here in New York? Well, they have water. Sure, we got sewers backing up on every street in the city. Well, they have scenery. My front window overlooks a brewery. You can't find scenery any finer than that. Well, that's true. Ah, uh, when the sun
8: slowly sinks behind the big pile of steaming malt in the brewery yard is a picture Fitzpatrick
9: will never show you in a travelogue. <laughs> but, but how can you escape the intense heat here in New York? Well, no, I, I, I do what Rinty Monahan does. What? Well, when the heat gets so bad, Rinty can't stand it. Yes? Rinty starts insulting Grogan the cop. Insulting him? Um, sh- insulting him how? Well, Rinty yells at Grogan, Ah, your grandfather is gargantuan. Yes?
8: Then he yells, Your aunt sleeps with her eyes open.
5: Yeah? And
8: for the clincher,
9: he yells, Ah, your mother wears army shoes. When <laughs> <laughs> we this Grogan the cop gets mad. Naturally. But how does Rinty escape the heat? Grogan calls the wagon. Yes. And rushes Rinty off to the municipal deep freeze. The municipal deep freeze? The cooler. The
5: mightier. Oh,
9: wow. now for their farewell joint appearance, the five DeMarco sisters and Maestro Al Goodman blend their talents to bring us Fellow with an Umbrella.
5: For me. I saw the fellow, the fella with the umbrella, I could be the girl who saved her love for a rainy day.
9: Uh, say, Fred. Yes, Kenny? There's a policeman outside to see you. A policeman to see me? Well, why should a policeman...
2: Shh. Here he comes, Fred. You Fred Allen? Well, yes, officer. You work for the Ford dealers, don't you? Yes, officer. Allen, you got to stop talking about the new Ford car. You're violating the law. It's against the law to talk about the new Ford? You're causing crowds to congregate. Crowds? What crowds? All day, there's crowds in front of that Ford dealer's window on Broadway. Oh, uh, don't worry about crowds blocking traffic in front of a Ford dealer's showroom, officer. It's happening all over the country. Well, never mind all over the country. You got to get rid of them crowds on Broadway. Yeah, but, officer, that dealer is displaying the new 49 Ford. There never was a car like this before. It's new and revolutionary in its field. The new Ford is a big, roomy car, safer and more economical to operate. And it hits a new high in smooth, comfortable ride. Don't give me no commercials. Yeah, but, Officer, the new Ford... (laughs) What? The new Ford is the talk of the automobile trade. It has the look of the year. In fact, it's the car of the year. You can't blame everyone for wanting to see it. I'm not blaming nobody. Just get rid of them crowds. Why, Officer? I want to have a look at that new Ford myself. (laughs)
9: Say, Portland, Portland... Yes? We've got to get busy. This is our last program of the season at NBC, you know. I...
1: I know. And as soon as we finish, I'll sweep out the studio. Yes,
9: and give the broom back to the vice president in charge of brooms on on
1: the next... (laughs) And you
9: know what else you have to do? Yes?
1: I have to wipe off the acoustics. Yes,
9: have the acoustics good and dry when we leave.
1: Pick up any racing forms the musicians leave behind. (laughs)
9: And any parlays, turn them right over to me.
1: And when the program is over, if anybody in the audience is sleeping, I'm to wake them up and tell them to go home until October. Right. Well,
9: I guess that's everything, Portland. I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a nice vacation. I'll see you in the fall.
1: Oh, are you going now?
9: Yes, I have to. Jack Benny's sailing for England. I promised to see Jack off. I bought him this travel book. Look, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe. Say it's late, Portland. I better start for Jack's hotel. So long,
5: Portland.
9: Ah, this must be the Benny suite. There's a do bill sticking out under the door. <laughs> I wonder if old tacit pockets is in. <laughs> oh, hello, Fred. Jack Benny. Well, uh, well, Jack... Come on in, Fred. I'm packing. Oh, packing. Go right ahead. Sit down. Like something to drink? Uh, no, thanks. Coke? Seven Up? Crown Cola? <laughs> no, no. I'm closing them out. They're only four cents a bottle. <laughs> With two straws. <laughs> two straws. Yeah. If you buy a bottle, I'll join you, and I hope you do. Sam, <laughs> thirsty. Maybe. No, no, Jack. I just came over to say goodbye. Oh, I thought you'd be all packed. No, and I've been riding around on the subway all day. Why? It was my last chance. Last chance in the subway? Next Thursday, the fare goes up to ten cents. <laughs> I'm riding while the price is right, brother. <laughs> Jack, ten cents for a subway ride. Well, I didn't do if it. If Ralph Edwards hadn't made me the walking man, this would have done it. <laughs> I better
5: finish packing
9: now. Eh? Well, look, as you're packing, you can't pack this bathing suit, Jack. Look, it's still wet. I know. And what about this little package here? Oh, that's a carton of Lucky Strikes. I bought them in New Jersey, you know. Oh. <laughs> Well, why go all the way to Jersey to buy a carton of cigarettes? Oh, it's a nice trip. And besides, I saved 24 cents tax there. Go. Well, how could you save 24 cents? It cost 20 cents to get to Jersey and back on the ferry. Well, I didn't go on the ferry. Well, how did you get across the Hudson River? Give me that bathing suit. I'll ring it <laughs> Jack... Be careful, one sleeve and the skirt are still dripping <laughs> you Well, know, that's, the, that's the trouble with these Annette Kellerman models I told Annette the day she gave it to me
5: yeah.
9: Annette, I said, if you can keep it from dripping, you can make a fortune <laughs> See, I, I just remember, Jack, I brought you this book Here, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe Thanks, Fred, but I've got my trip all planned Oh, where are you going to stay in England? Well, Ronnie and Benita Coleman recommended a place they said I'd like. Yeah? His Majesty's Trailer Camp. (laughs) It's run by Sir Herbie Harrison. Sir Herbie? Uh, He's the Howard Johnson of England. (laughs) Well, you're all set. Where else are you going? Well, I may fly over to France for a week or two of, uh, parley-booing.
5: Yeah? (laughs) They say, uh... Have
9: you uh, have you got a place to stay in France? Yeah, you see, Charles Boyer gave me an address. Oh, a French trailer camp? No, it's Hildegard's aunt. Oh. <laughs> she rents rooms in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, Hildegard. In the uh, in the Eiffel Tower. Well, how are you going to get around? Do you speak French? Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning, Fred. We. Oui. We? Oui? That means us in French. You know? <laughs> Kidding. Now, listen to this, Fred. Qui Acache, le rossignol summa peit kit. Oh, boy, do you rattle it off.
5: <laughs>
9: that's a, what? Uh, that's all French. Now, what does that mean in English? Who is hiding the nightingale under my strudel? <laughs> well, won't, uh, won't that be a difficult sentence to work into a conversation? <laughs> no. No, no, no. You see, I'm carrying a nightingale with me. Oh. It? Strudel, I can get any place. Well, look, Jack, it's time to go. With my luck, that's the bellboy. Come in.
2: Uh, are you ready to check out, Mr. Benny?
9: Yes, boy, you can take my bag. Well,
2: how about the tip, Mr. Benny?
9: The tip? You haven't carried my bags down yet.
2: I mean for carrying them up four days ago. Oh, oh, yeah.
9: I'll settle the whole thing in the lobby. May have to break an annuity. <laughs> The will be surprised! Uh, uh, come on, come on, Jack. Boy, don't squeeze that paper bag. It's my nightingale.
5: Come on. Well, the
9: lobby's the lobby's empty, Jack. Let's go over to the desk. You can check out. Okay, say, clerk. Oh yes, Mister Benny. Here's your bill. Thank you, clerk. I'll just check these items over. Oh, here. come on, Jack. It's getting late. I'll just be a minute, Fred. Let's see, I got my magnifying glass here. Let's see, <laughs> clerk. What is my total bill? Uh, Forty-three dollars and eighty cents. Mr. Benny has fainted. Yeah, he fainted the last time he was here. He's got to make that boat, clerk. Bellboy, carry these bags and Mr. Benny out to the cab. Boy, put Mr. Benny down until his bill is paid. But, clerk, Mr. Benny's unconscious. Then go through Mr. Benny's pockets and get the money. Well, all right. Oh, shoot. What's wrong? His pockets are locked. (laughs) Boy, put Mr. Benny in the safe until he comes through. But he'll miss the boat, clerk. I'll pay the bill. It's $43.80. Well, here you are. Thanks. Boy, you carry Mr. Benny's bags. I'll carry Mr. Benny and his nightingale.
2: Well, Jack, here's your boat. Yes, sir. The Queen
9: Beulah. <laughs> I've heard of the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. Well, this is a sister ship. The Queen it? Bueller? Yeah, she's really a step-sister. Oh, it? a step. <laughs> Say, this man coming with the wet anchor, he must be the captain.
2: Oh, boy, mates. Welcome to the Queen Bueller. Shiver me timbers, I'm glad to have you aboard.
9: Well, I'm not sailing, Captain. I'm seeing Mr. Benny off.
2: Very uh, well, I'll check your passport, Mr. Benny. Here you are. Hmm.
9: Something wrong? Well, this picture. <laughs> well, Captain, you know
2: passport pictures. But this is a shrunken up old bloke with no hair and no teeth. But, uh... I can't accept this passport, Mr. Benny. This
9: picture ain't you. But, Captain... Jack, you want to get to England, don't you? Yes. You better take off your toupee. (laughs) All right. There you are, Captain. Well, that takes care of the scalp. Jackie. Yes? You better take out your teeth.
5: (laughs)
2: Okay. How's that, Captain? Well, now you resemble the picture, Mr. Benny. You're a shrunken-up old bloke. All the embarrassing
9: things. I bet Lana Turner didn't go through all of this. (laughs) Jack, Jack, quit complaining. It's your own fault. Where was the picture taken? Warner Brothers. They do it to me every time.
5: All
2: right now, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me your ticket, I'll show you to your cabin.
9: My ticket? Uh, yes, maybe, you maybe you put it in your stocking with your money. No, no, I'm wearing liquid stocking. Oh, it can't be. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, don't, don't bother looking, sir, sure, I'll just check the list. Now, you're traveling first class, Mr. Benny. First class? Yes.
9: Well, not exactly. Oh, if you're going second class, that's three flights down. Okay, Fred, take my luggage. Right, Jack, I've got everything. It's down these stairs. Say, Jack, this package under my left arm, it seems to be getting bigger. It's probably unfolding. It's a deck chair. (laughs) You brought brought your own deck chair? No, They rent them here, you know. (laughs) Say, who is this woman coming up the stairs? She's blowing up water wings there.
10: Can I help you, gentlemen? I'm the matron, second class.
9: Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin?
10: May I see your ticket, Mr. Benny, please?
9: My ticket?
10: Don't bother. I'll check your name. You're sailing second class?
9: Well, not exactly second
10: class. Oh, third class, that's three flights down. Thank you.
9: It's down here, Fred. Just follow me. Jack, I don't get it. The guy with your money can certainly afford to travel first or second class. Fred, I may be a lot of things, but there's one thing I'll never be. What's that? A snob. A snob. (laughs) A snob? When I travel, I like to be with people. Well, if you go any lower, you'll be with fish. (laughs) I think we're in third class now. Gosh, I'm going to look funny in my beret. Everybody down here is wearing babushkas.
5: <laughs> uh,
2: hi, gents. Uh, welcome to third class. Who are you? The steward Chance. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Cabin? You mean hammock, don't you, bud? Well, all right. To his hammock. That's better. What's your number, buster? Number? Yeah, didn't you get a number with your ticket? My ticket? You're third class, ain't you? Well... Jack, you... <laughs> Be third class. I'll check. Steward? Yeah.
9: Is the coast clear? Yeah. Sam sent me.
2: (laughs) Oh, Sam sent you. Oh, that's two flights down.
5: Two more flights?
2: Yeah, go through the decompression chamber and turn left.
5: Come
9: on, Fred. What is this? Who is Sam? A sailor I met at Roseland.
5: <laughs> he said if I
9: ever went on the Queen Bueller to mention his name. Here we are, Fred. Put the bags down. Gosh, it's dark in here, Jack. It sure is. Hey, Jack, something is licking my face. <laughs>
5: you
9: kidding? It's a cow. Why, the place is crawling with cows. Good, I'll have fresh milk all the way over. (laughs) Jack, Benny, the star of the Lucky Strike program. (laughs) You think you are on the contented hour. (laughs) Fred, not so loud. How can you travel down in the bottom of this boat? No room, no bed. Fred, quiet. Well, you can't stay in here with all of these cows. They can't do this to you, Jack Benny. I'll get the captain. Fred, will you shut up? Shut up? You're going to England, aren't you? Yes. You've got your ticket, haven't you? Well... You haven't got a ticket. I knew you were cheap, but going to Europe as a stowaway. Look, Alan, give me my nightingale and go already. Benny, <laughs> you can't get away with this. The captain will find you down here with all these cows, and then what are you going to say? Moo. <laughs> Jack Benny for dropping in. After tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here to remind you that your Ford dealer extends you a standing invitation to stop in and let him show you the new Ford. He'll be glad to have you get inside a new Ford and handle the controls, and he will also explain the new engineering features to you. Everyone's saying the new Ford is the car of the year. You'll say the same thing after you visit your Ford dealer. Thank you, and good night until October 3rd. Thank you. Good
5: night. (laughs)
0: Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.